Welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Glad you guys could be here. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you are going to want to check them out. Now, you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast and join me there every Tuesday for our brand new Training Tip Tuesdays, where I give you guys a brand new training dog training tip every single Tuesday. Yes, now if the visual thing is more your thing, you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at Speaking Dogcast. And if you want to support the show even further, become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speakingdogcast. And if you guys love what you're hearing, if you love the show, do me a favor, scroll on down, click that five-star rating, leave me a review. I would love to hear what you guys are thinking. It's only going to help the podcast grow. Yes. Now, I know there was no uh, new podcast last week. I do have to apologize as I kind of said on a quick intro to a revisit episode. I was sick last week. I kind of came down with something last minute there on Tuesday. I think it was a flu or like a mild or medium flu. I don't know. Knocked me out for a bit. My throat's still not back to 100% as you may kind of hear in today's episode. I do apologize if I'm a little scratchy. Um, but we're back here today. We're back to normal. We're back in the studio. We are podcasting. Yes. So today, it's cold. What do I do with my dog? <laughs> That's a question I never ask, but it's a topic we're going to talk about. I'm from Florida, guys. Uh-uh. Not happening. Not doing cold with my dogs. But we talk about how you guys can deal with the cold with your dogs. Things you can do. Keeping them stimulated. Keeping them warm. Check it out. Then comes Zen will win in training. It is very important to calm down. It is very important to remain collected and cool to create a good leadership role for your dog. We'll talk more about that. Then comes the history of Animal Mascots 101, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you have any questions for the listener Q&A, feel free to email me, questions at speakadogcast.com or message me on social media. Dog training, animal training, anything animal or dog related, send it on over my way. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question Today's question is going to be, how many states do American alligators live in? Yes, how many U.S. states are there American alligators living there? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak of Dogcast, it's cold. What do I do with my dog? Not a problem for me down here in beautiful southeast sunny Florida. At the same time, we've had some crazy weather, uh, especially yesterday. My goodness, you know we we had a we had a tornado. Uh, we did. We had a tornado a couple miles north of me. A little scary for a little while there. Um, huge band. I mean, everybody. We've been seeing this stuff on the East Coast. It's coming across in a huge long line. I mean, all the way up from way up in Maine, all the way down to us, and even south of Florida. These giant storms that are coming through. It is an El Nino year. It's making this winter a little nuts. You know, it's kind of the weather patterns. They're cyclical. This is how it goes. And it, yeah, so touchdown tornado, t- tornado touchdown yesterday, a couple miles north of me. Crazy. And the weird thing was, is, you know, tornadoes in our, in Florida don't really, they don't really tend to stick, stick around. You know, they, they, they touch down quickly. They're gone within a minute or two normally. Um, this one didn't, this one touched down and went for a full eight miles. I don't, I think they said like more than like 15 minutes it was on the ground or something like that. That's just, that's really crazy for Florida. That's a really strange 
thing to happen. Thank goodness nobody was injured. There was a little bit of damage to a house. Uh, uh, it was out in a more rural area where I live. So pasture fences, things like that. But luckily no livestock, no people, nobody was injured. Thank goodness. But yeah, the damn thing came down, apparently went up and then retouched down again. Really unheard of crazy weather in, in especially Southeast Florida. It's very, very strange. Um, so, you know, Hey, we're lucky. We don't have snow <laughs> at the same time. Like tornadoes scare the hell out of me. I'll be honest with you guys. I will take seven or eight hurricanes to one tornado. I don't like them. They're they're They just, they, they scare the hell out of me. It's like the one real net besides like maybe a tsunami or flooding, um, one natural phenomenon that really just, ugh, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I'm not moving to Oklahoma anytime soon. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> Nebraska, Kansas, there we go. So anyway, it's snowing though. We've had these crazy, you guys up north, my goodness, some of that madness you're dealing with. Wow. I mean, the pictures are, <laughs> are unbelievable to a Floridian like me. I've experienced some snow, some good snow. I had a, one time I experienced near whiteout conditions. Still wasn't anything like negative. God, no, still haven't experienced. I've literally, I've never experienced negative uh, Fahrenheit, negative temperatures. Never happened yet. I'm sure I will at some point. Uh, why not? You know, got experience at all. But yeah, I've done skiing, things like that. And I just, as a Floridian, I kind of step back and go, how do you guys do this up north? Like, how, how do you have a dog and live up north in the winter? It's one thing if you've got a dog who's made for the winter, right? You have a St. Bernard, you have a Newfoundland, you have a, a Labrador. Even Goldens can deal with some of that coldness to some degree, right? So my question is, though, what do you do when you have a dog that doesn't deal with the cold too well? I mean, look, Riker hates the cold. <laughs> he's a mutt. And it's funny because he's part husky. But when it gets a little too cold, he, he he gets shivery. Like, he gets cold. He doesn't have a huge, thick coat. He's not designed for winter. And so there's so many of you up there that have dogs that are not designed for winter. You're sitting here going, yeah, David, tell me about it. Like, it is a struggle. I'm sure. Man, I, I can't even imagine. So I'm going to try to give you guys some tips on what I would recommend. This is the thing. These are the things that I would do if I lived up north. And by by no means am I a northern expert. We're just going to throw that out there. So don't don't hate me, northerners. Okay, I'm still Floridian. Okay. So look, here's the thing. For a lot of you, not all of you, but for a lot of you, the winters are not a constant, steady of four to five months of snow. Right? Not necessarily. You're in the Northeast. Uh, you're not necessarily going to get pounded with snow for that many months. So when you get these sort of, you know, two weeks of snow and then it melts for a week, first thing I'm going to recommend for any of you Northerners is take advantage of any warmer, warm-ish, warm-ish days <laughs> that you can take advantage of and get out and walk your dog. To me, if I normally go for a 30-minute walk with my little, I'm going to make it an hour-long walk that day. And I'm going to make it an hour-long walk every day I can until the snow comes back, okay? Because the more exercise you can do before it happens it's going to get you some carryover. It will. It'll get you some carryover because you're not necessarily going to be able to take that same length of walk with your dog when the snow comes, right? So that's the first thing is be aware of the weather patterns. Know what's coming. If you can, I know it's not always predictable, um, but try to get ahead of it and take advantage of those things when you can, okay? Now, there are plenty of ways to keep our dogs active inside. Guys, go back to basics. It's pretty simple. You know, I even I, I, I tell my clients even down here on a rainy day, and look, we get some rainy days and thun it's not even the rain, it's the thunderstorms that you can't go outside in, you know, we get a lot of lightning down here. So we get stuck inside some days. And to me, it's always go back to the basics. Leash up your dog, start walking them around in your house. Now, I have certain exercises, turns, redirections, things that I do with my dog to keep them focused on the walk, keep them working. It's the most basic things I can practice. And I want you to do that at home. It's winter, 
go do that. If you have a patio you can stick a heater on, <laughs> go work outside a little bit. Same for you Floridians, covered patio in the rain if it's safe. There's nothing wrong with going back to these basics, leashing up your dog in the house and giving them a little mental and slight physical a stimulation that can go with it. Go back to your basics. And speaking of basics, what about tricks? What about mental exercises? This is, to me, like winter is almost the perfect opportunity uh, to teach your dog fun new tricks because clearly you're gonna be stuck inside more. It's a great opportunity to bond with your dog and it's a great opportunity to teach him something new. And again, stimulation, guys. That's the biggest thing here. So we're gonna start teaching new tricks. A sit, a stay, a lie down, a leave it, a drop it. My five core, if you haven't already worked on those, get on them, right? We can start teaching fun stuff like giving a paw or, um, you know, doing a turn, go on your side, play dead, you know, roll over, all these fun things. People really just don't put enough tricks in their basket. It's simple fact that they think they're dumb tricks. And it's like, guys, this is, this is fun for your dog. You might think it's a silly, dumb trick, but your dog loves it. Your dog loves it and they're getting stimulation. So I can't stress it enough. When in doubt, even Floridians, when it's raining, if you can't get outside, go back to those basics inside. Walk your dog on a leash inside a little bit. Practice some basic commands. How about just a stay? Practicing a stay command on a snowy day. The thing is with a stay, it's not just about like, oh, we stay and we back up two feet and then, okay, come to me. We stay, we back up two feet. You go. I want you to start practicing like stay. Walk out of the room and close the door. Can your dog do that? There's just so much mental stimulation from that. Like it seemed, oh, David, my dog is sick. Guys, you're working your dog. You're making them think. You're making them go, wait, why did I get that? Did I get that reward for staying? Hmm, maybe I continue to stay. The door shuts. Something new, something at goes a long way. Speaking of that, let's let's make more games. We can also just do beyond tricks. How about a hide and seek game? I, I love talking about this one because honestly, look, it really was like a little, little heart moment here. It was one of my favorite Favorite games to play with my golden retriever, Colby Jack. He loved this game, hide and seek. I'd put him in a sit and a stay, and I would take a certain toy. Now, I recommend getting a specific toy for this, something fun, again, something fun, something new, changing it up. That's all what it's, it's, it's all about variety, guys. It's all about changing it up, mentally changing up variety, okay? So I'm gonna get a toy for wintertime. I'm gonna go buy them a brand new toy when I know that snowstorm is coming. Something I know they really like, okay? Something particular. And then I'm only going to bring this toy out when we play hide and seek. I usually recommend using a soft toy because, you know, holds scent better. But, you know, if they love a tennis ball, use a good tennis ball. Why not? Um, but I've tried to make it that particular toy so it makes it that much more exciting to want to play with during this time. Again, extra mental stimulation. All right, so I put him in a sit and I put him in a stay. I start really easy. I start really easy with hide and seek. I'll just tell him stay and walk to the other side of the couch. We'll let him see I placed the toy there and then release him. He will go and get that toy right away without a problem. It's very easy to teach your dog how to play hide and seek. I'll do that same kind of thing a couple times, something really obvious. Then I'll put him in a sit and stay, walk around the corner outside of the room, hide it somewhere semi-obvious, come back, release him. Now, you can take this up to the point that you can just start walking. You can put him in his, put your dog in a sit stay and walk around the whole house with the toy, hiding it somewhere. I used to, I took it and hide it behind my back or something, so he didn't know. I'd go room to room. He didn't know when I had it, when I didn't have it. Silly, silly, fun, fun stuff for your dogs, guys. Goes a long way. Most of your dogs would love to play this every single day, and it will never get old. <laughs> you know what I mean? These are great, not replacements, 
of course, for a walk, but these are great substitutes for a walk when the weather is just not going to let you get out there. Okay. Now, with that said, guys, indoor fun. That's what it's going to be about. How about doggy day camps? I'm sure there are so many wonderful places up north, so many great doggy facilities that are big, that are open, and that are most importantly, heated. <laughs> All right. So you can get your dog some socialization time, some more exercise. And to me, that's the other thing is like, it's, it's, we can do all this stuff in the house, you know, and in the home and that's great, but we've got to get that physical side taken care of. And that's where a doggy day camp can really help supplement that because these facilities will be like, you know, a big warehouse style thing where the dogs can really get up and run and actually get some of that physical energy out and mental energy with the socializing too, but to get that physical side out. So if we're kind of stuck at home and we're doing this mental stuff, which is great, and we can take them out to a doggy day camp and we can get some of that physical stuff and that's great. How do we get the physical stuff at home though? Like how do we bring that home? Honestly, guys, it is a bit of an investment. In my opinion, the best way to do this, it is a little bit of an investment. It is. But if you're up north and I mean, you've got snow four to six months out of the year, to me, it's a small investment for your dog. Doggy treadmills. I'm a huge fan of them. They're, they're, are more brands, like more and more and more people are making them, so they're becoming more available, more accessible, cheaper, all that kind of good stuff. I'm not gonna lie, it's a pretty penny, it is. Um, obviously, I've got a lot of dogs training, all that kind of stuff, so we bought a doggy treadmill. Uh, the business bought it, you know, <laughs> of course. And it's fantastic, I have to say, it really is awesome. Again, it's never, ever, ever gonna be that complete substitute for an outdoor walk, but my goodness, what a great supplement. I can't stress it enough. If you've got a little dog, you're lucky. The smaller dog treadmills are less expensive, <laughs> but go check it out, guys. They sell them on Amazon, they sell them everywhere. They sell them on, I think, probably, I'm sure Chewy, I've never looked, but I'm sure you know all those pet websites have them. The doggy treadmills, it, what a technological godsend for any of you guys up north. I'm just telling you, invest in your dog, invest in their physical well-being and their mental well-being. That's the other thing. Your dogs are going to get fat. Just being honest, like what happens to everybody in winter? You don't move around as much. You don't want to go anywhere. You just want to stay home. I've heard it from so many people that live up north. Um you know, you've got to get your dog exercised. So I know, I know, it's a lot of money, David. Yeah, but come on, invest in your dog. All right, enough of that. So there are all these great things we can do in wintertime. Now, I do want you guys to be safe. I do get questions a lot about um, jackets for dogs, jackets. Do my Does my dog really need a jacket in the winter? Look, again, as I said at the, like, the beginning of this segment, if you have a dog that is literally designed and built for the winter, a, a husky, even a Labrador, like, again, Labrador Retrievers, what are they built for? They're built for the Labrador Sea. The Labrador Sea is absolutely freezing and rigid, and they're built to withstand that. Great dogs for up north, okay? Uh, I said a St. Bernard at the beginning, too. We always think of St. Bernard's in the snow and in the mountains, saving people, you know, cartoons growing up. That's my age, showing my age at this point. Um, <laughs> so not every dog needs a jacket. With that said, Yes, some dogs do need a jacket. When I take Riker up north to the mountains and it's chilly, yeah, we have to bring a jacket for him because he gets cold. My Chihuahua, I've never, I, geez, she gets, <laughs> if it's below 85, my dog, my Chihuahua is cold. Um, no, but really, she does get cold and I genuinely need to put clothing on her for her protection to keep her warm. I've had times when I'm walking Coco out in public. It's it's chilly here. You know, it's in the 40s or 50s. We're out walking. I try not to do 40s for her. That's a little cold for Coco, uh, but for, especially because she's not used to it. You know, it's one thing if you can acclimate your dog a bit to the winter, but guys, it just doesn't happen here. It's such a fluctuation. They can never fully get used to it. Um, anyway, 
I've heard people make little comments when I take cocoa out. Because, and I hate to say, I, I kind of agree with them. <laughs> make comments because I have cocoa dressed up in a jacket. And, oh, that dog's in a jacket. Does that dog? And yeah, the dog really needs a jacket, guys. It, it's, it's a chihuahua. They're literally from the desert of Chihuahua in Mexico. <laughs> so be reasonable about these things. Yes, there are dogs that need jackets. Do we need to make them frou-frou-y and cutesy and whatever, guys? If you need to do that for you, I guess that's your thing. But your dog doesn't need it, so just keep them warm. That's, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say here. Y'all know how I feel about dogs and clothing. I wish I didn't have to put a jacket on my dog, but we bred these things to be what they are, and they can't keep themselves warm. So yes, some dogs do need jackets. It is a necessity for some of them out there. What about those doggy booties? Yeah, you know, look, pads are designed, they're dog pads, they're designed to take some punishment, heat and cold, not too much of either, right? That's the thing. Some dogs are better at it than others. Husky dogs designed to be in the snow, very different. So yes, there is a lot of temperature control that goes on throughout the pads, and we do wanna be careful to not overexpose certain dog breeds to the ice, to snow, and this is where dog boots can come in handy. Y'all have seen those videos with dogs, you know, getting their boots on the first time and they're like doing a little, little prance. It's hilarious, <laughs> but they can get used to them. You can acclimate dogs to those booties if it is necessary. Okay. Again, a lot of dogs, if you're taking your dog out just out to pee, it's really not necessary to throw the booties on unless we're talking frigid, freezing, really, really, really cold temperatures, not just freezing temperatures. Okay. So just something to think about with the doggy clothes, the doggy booties, take that with a grain of salt. But yes, in the long, short answer, some dogs are going to need jackets. It's just simply put. All right. So look, it's tough. It is tough in the wintertime and it stinks um, to have to deal with the crap that you guys do up there. Just being out like I can't even. Whew, I love Florida. Um, I love visiting the mountains, but I really just can't comprehend living my life day to day in the snow like that the way you guys do. To me, it's just wow. Um, so good luck out there. Right. Keep your dog stimulated. Try playing games at home. There's always just a, like I didn't even say it. How about just playing with your dog, guys? Throwing a ball, playing with a toy. Go back to basics. But when it really comes to, again, the basics are just walking your dog in the house, utilizing those training uh, training tricks that you've taught your dogs, teach your dog new tricks, play hide and seek, change it up, make it different for your dog. Um, look, maybe your friends, go hang out with friends and bring your dog over if they're cool with that. Just taking your dog out to a few different places can be great stimulation. I didn't mention that and I should have mentioned that. Um, it's tough sometimes to get your dogs out in the winter. I understand that. But again, little things like that, going visiting friends, going over to somebody's house, maybe that's a great opportunity to be able to bring your dog, let them see some new people, have some fun, um, can really go a long way, okay? Now also utilize those doggy day camp facilities. Make sure you get your dog properly socialized and more importantly, getting them physically running. We don't want our dogs getting overweight. That's also where those doggy treadmills can really come in handy. I'm a huge advocate. I really think most people up north uh, that have extended periods of snow especially, really should consider investing in one of those for their dogs. Okay, really, really something to consider, guys. Uh, but good luck out there. Please stay warm. Please stay safe. Please keep your dogs safe, thin, happy, healthy, stimulated, all that good stuff, and uh, stay warm this winter. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. 
No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speaking Dogcast, Zen will win in training. So what exactly do I mean by this? What I really mean is keeping a calm and Zen-like presence is what's going to work best when it comes to training your dog. If you've ever seen somebody getting maybe flustered with their dog out in public or frustrated with their dog that it won't stop barking and they get, and they start, don't stop, I heard that tone a little bit, right? At some point, somewhere, you've heard somebody like that with their dog. And then we have to ask the question, well, did it work? (laughs) Was the dog calmer? Did they stop? We all know the answer. It's no. And I can guarantee you that at least half the reason why that behavior with that dog didn't stop in that moment is because of the, well, lack of zen in the owner. Now look, guys, I'm not saying we all need to sit around a campfire singing Kumbaya. And <laughs> all right, we're not all going to get along and that's just fine. You're not going to, some of you aren't going to like my podcast. Some of you are, and that's just fine. Those of you that like it, hey, thank you. I love that. Uh, those of you that don't, I'm sure you'll find a podcast you will like about dogs. Maybe this one's not it. And that's okay. And that's okay. And there you go. That's that's a funny thing right there, isn't it? I can tell you guys, I started the podcast a little over three years ago. If I had five years ago told myself that I'd started a podcast and I would have said, it's okay that people don't like it, I wouldn't have that. Nope. My Zen wasn't a Zen five years ago. I would have had a hard time knowing people out there don't like my podcast. Call it what it is, ego, whatever. Uh, Fear of failure, maybe. Who knows? But Five years ago, I wouldn't have been okay with that fact. It's kind of a fun thing about the podcast is, you know, you see your listeners go up and down a little bit, short and up and up and then climbs, 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 and all of a sudden falls a little bit. It's like, holy crap, uh, what am I doing wrong? You know, you play all those games and you go, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my thing. I'm just gonna, this is what I do. This is what I know. These are my experiences. This is my knowledge and I'm gonna share it with you guys. And if you wanna take it, that's awesome. And I, can pretty much guarantee and promise if you do take the information, you do implement this, and you do, for lack of a better way to say it, you do what I tell you, (laughs) you will get better results with your dog. It's that simple. And so I stick by that knowing that, and that gives me the confidence to be as least as zen as I can be at the moment about it. (laughs) So you got to be zen. You have to find some level of balance in training with your dog. Now, we talk about this a lot. We do. We talk about, let's, let's look at the most basic form of how every animal learns on this planet. And we're talking dog specific today, so let's, let's keep it dog specific, right? How dogs learn. Reinforcement, punishment. Reinforcement increases behavior, punishment decreases behavior. So what ends up happening is we create balance. 
through using punishment and reinforcement, right? Sometimes it's a little, until we get that balance, right? They're perfect. And you'll find if you use the right amount of that punishment and reinforcement, you'll find your dog ends up being really awesome, number one. And you'll find you have to use a lot less of both the punishment and the reinforcement because you've created that balance. So dogs are literally showing us from a psychological, behavioral, and literal standpoint, they're showing us balance. Guys, every animal on this planet wants balance, wants zen, wants stability. Now, what that stability looks like for every animal, it's a little different. What that stability looks like individual to individual is going to be different. You're, what you view as stability might be a little different than me, but I can guarantee you there will be some similar norm. There will be some generalizations across the board. So when it comes to dogs and we talk about stability, stability for dogs is different than you or I. Should be, right? It's a dog. Like in case we've forgotten, this is a dog. It's a mess. Well, there's one right here. You can't see it, but it's on the floor. There's one back behind me. You can see it behind me. Anyway, <laughs> dogs are dogs. We, we, we love that about them. So let's not try to change it and make them human. Let's just look at it as what they, they're a dog and they're different than you or I, and they are wired in a hierarchy, whether we like to accept and admit that or not, is irrelevant because it's the truth. They're wired in a hierarchy. And the way that they create stability amongst themselves is through a pack hierarchy mentality. Anybody who has more than two dogs out there, you know it, you see it, there is a dynamic in your pack. It's hierarchy. There is a dynamic amongst your dogs. Whether that is stable or not, aha. Now that's, that's a different thing. <laughs> okay, that's a different thing. But there is that hierarchy. Now, that hierarchy is normally used to create stability. The problem is, hi, we're humans and we get in the way. <laughs> hi, I'm David. I'm a human. I'm nice to meet you. Before I knew any better, I got in the way of my dog's training. It's true, growing up talked about it before for those I haven't talked about it well so you know newer listeners make a long story short I had a shih tzu and she got a little anxious over uh, new people sometimes and it was my fault I mean I don't know that it was 100% my fault but I definitely contributed because we used to have a bed sitting in like one of our front bedrooms it was right up against the windows of the front of our house and people would walk by on the sidewalk with their dogs and she would sit there and look at them and I'd go get them get him, Ashley, get him. And she would rrr, 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 growl and, rrr, 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 and bark at him. And, and sure enough, we'd go outside and people would approach us. And what would she do? Rrr, 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 and run and hide behind us. Hi, I'm the human being. I'm David. And I got in the way. Now, I was a seven-year-old child. I didn't know any better. And again, as a most of you out there go, what's wrong with that? So what? It's just bark. Guys, behaviorally, that's not okay. That's not zen. That's not stable. That, believe it or not, a dog is actually not supposed to do that. Should a dog give maybe warning if somebody's walking by their house? Yes. But that intense, that fearful running behind somebody? No. That's not okay. That's not how it's supposed to be, and that's not zen. Why? Her pack didn't create the proper balance for her. So when we talk about zen with us and zen with our pack, we have to be Zen with ourselves before we can be Zen with the pack because you can see what me not being Zen, not being calm with my dog. I was, oh, get him, get almost. I was almost instilling fear in her accidentally. Stinks, doesn't it? Now, Ashley had a good life. Don't get me wrong. She wasn't always fearful of everything and everybody. She never bit anybody, nothing like that. Um, but I could have made her a more confident dog, and I didn't because of lack of knowledge and understanding. And 
and, and not creating that balance in the way that she understands. Look, here it is, guys. Here it is laid out. Here it is. Dogs look for a calm, confident leader. It is that simple. It is that black and white. And if you get worked up or angry or frustrated or any of these things, the dog kind of looks at you and goes, you're not sure of yourself. I, I, don't, I don't want an unsure leader, so I'm, I'm not going to listen to you now. This is where dogs are quote unquote discriminatory person to person because dogs are hardwired to want to take leadership in that hierarchy. And if we don't give them that proper leadership in a way that creates and, and, and shows them balance, stability, calm, if we don't show them for, again, lack of a better, if we don't show them that my crap doesn't stink, <laughs> lack of a better way of saying it, if I don't show my dog that I am sure of myself, I am confident I'm going to take control of this pack for the betterment of the pack, for your safety, for your stability. I always say kind of, you have to have a little bit of that parent mentality. Now, granted, I don't know if I can say that anymore because I see parenting in 2024 and I don't, I don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm biting my, I'm like literally biting my tongue right now. So give me a second. Um, it's just the truth, you know? It, it's just the truth. We could learn a lot from dog parents, like as human beings. We really could learn a lot from a lot of animal parents as human beings. Oh, but that's okay. Zen, David. Zen. <laughs> See? I'm human. We all get frustrated. But guys, something as simple... Here it is. Okay, I, I can hear everybody go, all right, David, so how do you calm down? It's tough because it's your dog and it's personal. You don't want your, your neighbors seeing your dog misbehave. You know, I get it. I Believe me, I get it. Take a breath before you walk outside. Take a couple breaths. Breathe in. Count to five or ten. Hold it. Release five or ten count. I'm serious. I've sat here and done this with my clients before walking out at front door. You can even hear it in my voice, right? I was like getting a little worked up there, just a little. In through the nose, out through the mouth. It's amazing what it can do. If you've never meditated before, I highly recommend you try it. If you've never done yoga before, I highly recommend you try it. You truly want to find Zen with training your dog. And I hear, damn, oh my God, he's talking about yoga now? God, what, what is he? I'm serious, guys. Serious. Not always as good at it as I should be. I'm not always as diligent as I should be. Because why? Hi, human. We suck. <laughs> but we strive to get better. And if you're striving to get better, then that's that's it. That's what you need to do. So I know this sounds ridiculous in a roundabout way, but if you can practice some breathing ex exercises, some meditation, some calmness and zen within yourself, you'll be shocked how it can transfer to your dog. Look, I had a client years ago who, like, I'm going to try to not let my heart start beating just thinking of this woman because she just, she worked me up so much because how could she not? She literally oozes anxiety and, and just drama and she's a client of mine. And she had this big dog and this dog was, 
I know this is going to shock you, was anxious, was worked up, was literally a direct mirror reflection of this woman. Like, I wish I could have taken a video of this dog and a video of her, put them side by side, and they'd be twins. Their body language was so on point with each other because of how much she reflected and transferred her own, look guys, her own BS. I mean, it's just the truth. Her own crap in her life, and we all have it. But man, did she have an overflowing pot of it. Holy hell. And this dog was just nuts. And look, in six sessions, I got I got nowhere with her. I got nowhere with her family. Her children were, were brats. I've never had such misbehaving, horrible children as clients. It was unreal. Father didn't want anything to do with it. He comes home, wants to wipe his hands clean of all of that. I mean, it was... The amount of stuff, unsaid stuff going on in that home was crazy. And it was affecting that dog like you. I, I felt so bad for that dog. I wanted to pull him out of there, that poor guy. <sighs> anyway, I'm making the long story long here, but she... We didn't really get anywhere, whatever. A year or two later, she calls me again and says, oh, I, I need your help. I need you to come back. Da, 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 da. And that's, that's the crazy thing, guys. They, they clearly see I can control this dog. And they, they, I got them to a point that they admitted, like, it's all them. Because they're not doing anything. I mean, what do you, what do you expect if you're not going to do anything? Okay, so I come back two years. And I'm, I'm not even joking. I... <laughs> I'm walking up the driveway to their house. I haven't seen this dog in two years. This dog bolts out the front door on them, coming down the driveway, sees me from about 50 feet away, stops dead in its tracks, and lays straight down, and that's it. Just lies down and stops like 30 feet in front of me. I didn't say anything to it. I didn't. I barely looked at him because he's bolting. The, and he just sees me, must have caught my scent, and I don't know why, but this dog just responded like that to me. The next session I came to, I showed up. She's already outside with him. I'm not even joking. The dog is literally jumping directly just over and over, four feet in the air, boundy, bound, like a like a pogo stick. And she's just holding the leash, doing nothing, just throwing her hands up in the air, going, I can't do anything. I can't do it. I'm like, you're not even doing anything. You can't do anything with this dog. You're literally not doing anything with this dog. I took the leash of the dog, didn't do anything else, grabbed the leash, that's it, didn't do anything, and the dog sat down down and stopped and calmed down now guys I, I this is the only time I've ever had this in how many years I've been doing this. this is literally the only time I've ever had this kind of setup with a dog acting exactly like this doing it like this where this dog just turns off the second I'm around I have no other thing to hold this up against as an experiment so the scientific side I have to throw out the door on this I have nothing to hold it up against to go, oh yeah, I've seen four other dogs do this and this is the reason why that dog, that dog responded to me the way it did. I have nothing. So all I have is the Zen. <laughs> That's all I have. It's amazing how sometimes just being calm and being a calm presence in a dog's life can get them to relax. Why? Because what do dogs want? Stability, relaxation, Zen balance that family was any they were the antithesis of the word balance and that dog knew it and was showing it that dog was clinging desperate for someone to be zen 
All it takes, guys, is some breathing exercises, some relaxing, some working on it. It's not an overnight thing. It's a process. I'm not a master of it by any means. But I try to work at it as much as I can. It's incredible when you start just kind of relaxing and being in the moment, not thinking about what's going to happen 10 seconds from now, not thinking about what's happening 10 seconds ago. It's a tough thing to do, but when you can do it, it's such a freeing experience. It's such an amazing thing. And when you can do it with a leash in your hand, with it, with 15 leashes and that's my favorite, oh, like chills, guys. It's one of my favorite activities, you know, like taking 15, 20 dogs, um, they're all being good. They're all listening. All have loose leashes, and you're just you're there in the moment, and nothing else matters. That's that's how I found my zen. Found my zen working with animals. I did. Um, one of the most zen moments I think I ever had working with animals was with an orangutan. Yeah, that was okay. So, you want to find your zen? You have to practice it. You want your dog to be calm? You have to be calm. Be a reflection. Be a mirror. Give off what you want your dog to be. And I guarantee you they're a lot more likely to be that. Take a deep breath. Meditate. Relax. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the history of Animal Mascots 101. Today, we'll be talking about Georgia Tech. Now, the Georgia Institute of Technology, or more commonly known as Georgia Tech, they were founded in 1885. Now, while their mascot might not be a ferocious tiger or a deadly alligator, no, but in many numbers, their mascot is sure to put a fear in anybody. Georgia Tech is known as the Yellow Jackets. And any of you familiar with Yellow Jackets, well, they can be angry, aggressive, and well, just downright mean. <laughs> yes. Now, the history of the Yellow Jacket with Georgia Tech actually has nothing to do with the insect originally. Now, it was around the turn of the century that there was still no official mascot for the school. It had been referred to many different things by the papers and fans, such as the engineers, <laughs> the blacksmiths, the techs, the golden tornadoes, and, well, none of these just were adopted officially by the school. Thank goodness. I mean, the blacksmiths really, like I get it, Georgia Tech, but come on. Uh, <laughs> now the name Yellow Jackets started quite literally. Fans actually showed up in Yellow Jackets to support the school and the term began to be used to describe the fans. Then in 1905, then coach John Heisman, yes, that Heisman, that's correct. For all of you football fans, uh, just wanted you to know that, yes, that, that is John Heisman, the Heisman Trophy. That's who it's named after. He actually was coach of Georgia Tech for, I think if I'm not mistaken, well, a little over 10 years. Uh, so he was coach at the time, and he was the one who actually declared that he wanted the team to be known as the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Now, it wasn't until 1972 that a person donned a yellow jacket costume, and the first person to put it on was Judy McNair. Yes, she started performing the character with a homemade costume and first appeared at a football game. The mascot was then given the name Buzz, of course, Buzz the Yellow Jacket, and now there's multiple students who perform as the mascot to cover all of the duties that are needed. However, their identities are kept a secret until they graduate from the school.
Dogcast. It's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Jerry from San Antonio, Texas. Jerry says, I adopted a mutt, maybe a lab shepherd mix, and he has some anxiety issues. Now, I've made progress with crating, and he's really starting to settle down there. Overall, I feel like he's coming along well with how bad he was to start with. But there is just one thing I can't seem to break. He is obsessing over rocks. It's only if I leave him in the backyard alone, but he'll start chewing them and he's trying to eat them. Now, the rescue didn't mention anything about this, and I'm concerned he might hurt himself. What can I do to stop this? Jerry, uh, thank you for the question. Great question. This is, you know, a little tougher. Uh, the first thing is the rescue might be off the hook. You know, I'm simply putting that, pointing out that the rescue might not have any rocks. A lot of times they tend to make those environments more sterile with putting like cement or, or turf, taking away things like rocks, things that are chewable, flowers, plants, dirt, even to dig in. So sometimes those obsessive behaviors may not come out in a rescue environment. So uh, just food for thought on that. But yeah, how do you fix this? Look, rock chewing and rock uh, eating usually is associated with some more severe anxiety issues. So it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you probably knew what you were getting into a little bit with this dog and you're working at it. And that's awesome. It sounds like you're doing great. You're making progress. Look, the easiest thing to do is obviously remove the rocks. Is it going to solve your problem? Not necessarily. The thing is, <laughs> I got Riker snoring behind me, sorry. Uh, the thing is with the rocks... I do sometimes recommend removing them. Yes, it's a Band-Aid fix, but oftentimes, if you have a dog who's got anxiety issues, and let's say the anxiety is displacing in 10 different ways to Sunday, you know what I mean? You got like 10 different ways this dog is displacing the anxiety, and the rocks is number 11. Oftentimes, just taking away the ability to make that displacement, to have that displacement, for example, here's an example, we have a dog in a house, um, and anytime you leave them alone, they shred things. What do we do? We take away the ability to shred things by putting them in a crate. So oftentimes, taking away those rocks when you're still dealing with a plethora of anxiety issues is one way to, one, make sure they can't do it, and two, allow you to deal with the other 10 anxiety issues going on that are easier to control, that you can control, that you can deal with, because oftentimes taking care of those 10 anxiety issues will take care of the rocks. You understand what I'm saying? If I get rid of all of that anxiety and all of those anxious things and the rocks are just a displacement of that anxiety and we get rid of the anxiety, then the rock chewing will eventually disappear, right? So that's why in that moment, I might recommend a Band-Aid fix of actually physically removing the rocks from the situation altogether so it's not an option for an anxious displacement. All right. Uh, again, when it comes to anxiety, it's all about minimizing the amount of ways your dogs can displace their anxiety. The less anxiety they displace, the less anxious they are. It's that simple. It's almost like a nervous tick if they get away with it. It's like, oh, I got to do it again. You're like someone who itches, who maybe obsessively itches themselves. And then is it really a skin issue or is it them itching themselves, right? Egg, uh, chicken or the egg kind of thing. So I, you know, I kind of hope that helps out there. That would be my approach, Jerry. I would probably get rid of the rocks temporarily. Focus on what you're doing because it sounds like you're making progress in that crate, man. Focus on that. Up the exercise. When in doubt with anxiety, up the exercise, my friend. It should help out a lot. And then hopefully we can reintroduce the rocks. See what happens, right? After a couple weeks, maybe a couple months even. Take it slow. Uh, after getting rid of the other anxiety stuff, issues, working on this, bringing the rocks back in, seeing what happens safely and controlled. I hope that helps out, Jerry. Let me know if I can do anything else for you. Next question. This comes from Mary from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mary says, I am in the military and I move around more often than I would like to at this point, and it's a little stressful on my dog. 
She's a minpin, and, and, and <laughs> excuse me, she's a minpin, and just when I feel like she starts to settle in, I have to move again. Oh, that kind of all like min, pin, settle in, move again. <laughs> okay. Now we get to a new location and she just paces around the house. She seems alert when we're outside, barks at things and more. Now again, she will settle down after we're in the location for a while, but I would rather her feel more comfortable right away. Is there anything I can do? Mary, thank you for the question and thank you so much for your service. Uh, really appreciate you serving in the military. Um, always very, very grateful for active and active duty and veterans. So thank you for that. Oh man, that, you know, that's tough. That's tough. It's, it, that's, it's tough to move their environments, right? We all like to get settled in. I'm sure it's tough for you and it's tough for your dog. What can you do? Look, there's a few things we can do. I mean, it's like I said, I guess I'm like, I'm giving you a, cause I'm like, man, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough to move around in your environments like that. But one thing I want to mention is first, well, first thing I want to mention rather is exercise. It always comes back, back to it. Before you move, the days leading up to moving, there's a lot of chaos, right? You're packing up your stuff, a lot going on. I know it might be tough and maybe even with your schedule too, but if you can get some extra exercise for your dog, uh, upping it, doubling it potentially in the week leading up to moving, it really can go a long way. Then when you move to the new environment, the first thing I would do, take your dog for a walk. I'm serious. Moving truck gets there. I'm not going to start unloading. I know you want to, but the first thing I would do uh, is leash up your dog and take them for a walk all around. Get them really tired. Get her, uh, is it she? Yeah, she. Get her really tired. Get her nice and sleepy. And that way when she comes back to your new place, she's more likely to just kind of want to, you know, take a nap, settle in. And if she comes in and immediately falls asleep, well, then we're, we're, we're kind of reinforcing relaxing behavior. And that's what we want, right? So if you can create that from the start and then reinforce it from the start, you're more likely to continue that. Now, another thing is, look, when she does bark, you do have to correct these things. You do have to tell her, hey, that's not okay. Whether that's through a touch correction, a collar correction, telling her no, if you've taught that, um, you do have to tell her, hey, that's unacceptable. Because the problem is, it sounds like to me, it's also a pattern. We go to a new place and we bark, bark, bark. I'm just guessing, Mary, you may not be telling her no. You may not be using enough of the discipline side. And we have to discipline. Remember, we have two ways to get behavior. Behavior is either going to be reinforced or punished. The only way to increase behavior is reinforcement. The only way to decrease behavior is through punishment. And so if we want that barking to stop in that moment, you have to tell her it's not okay. Then when she stops barking, you tell her, good girl, and give her a treat. Okay, same thing outside. When you're out walking her, if she's being, you know, if she's barking or barking at somebody, we correct it, redirect it. If she stops doing it, I give her a treat and reward it to increase that behavior. So a couple different ways to hit that, Mary, and I hope that helps out. The answer to today's trivia question, how many states have American alligators in them? It's 10. Yes, there are 10 U.S. states that have American alligators living in them. Now, I'll give you the 10 states in order with the largest population of alligators to the least large, uh, least population of alligators. Now, the, of course, the state with the largest population of alligators is going to be Louisiana at over 2 million alligators. Yes, then in second place is Florida with 1.3 million. Texas is in third with 400,000 alligators. Georgia is going to be in fourth, 200,000. South Carolina is going to be in fifth with 100,000 alligators. Alabama comes in sixth at 70,000 alligators. Mississippi seven, 32,000 alligators. Arkansas eight at 2,000. Yes, Arkansas. 2,000 alligators. North Carolina has less than Arkansas 
at 1,000 alligators in ninth place. And in 10th place, believe it or not, drum roll, it is Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't know how many of you out there would have gotten that. Yes, it is the state of Oklahoma. Now, it is a very incredibly rare sighting to see an alligator in the state of Oklahoma, as there is only a population of around 100. Interestingly enough, though, we could argue that the answer to this question is 11 U.S. states because gators are naturally migrating to a new state, Tennessee. Yes, southwestern Tennessee is actually seeing a small population of alligators, and the numbers do seem to be growing. So, hey, in a couple years, I could do this trivia question, and the answer may not be 10. It actually really may be, well, 11. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. You can follow me on Instagram at SpeakyDogCast. Join me there every Tuesday for Training Tip Tuesdays. You can check out my YouTube channel at SpeakyDogCast. Become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash SpeakyDogCast. If you love what you're hearing, if you love the podcast, do me a favor, scroll on down, click that five-star rating, or leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate it. I want to thank my patrons, my pup supporter, Ragula Wright, and my dog friend, Maureen Crossan. Have a wonderful week, and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Thank you.